Hello, Pet Chat today. Welcome Cheryl Shaw and Dr Kimberly Earl. Lovely to have you both here. Thank, Thank you. you. Now, we've got lots coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about guinea pigs, Cheryl. I don't think you've ever spoken about guinea pigs before. I haven't. I have a thing about guinea pigs because they come from that rodent family. <laughs> but I think it's time we talked about <laughs> guinea pigs. They do make great little pets, they don't do. they? And then, Kimberly, mm. we're chatting about sore eyes today. Sore it's that eyes time in of our the pets. Year? Yep, time of the year for it. Now, Cheryl Shaw, even though sometimes you're a bit like, oh, I don't know about them, we're going to talk guinea pigs today. I know. I am a little bit funny, only because I know they come from the rodent family. And, you know, often we go, oh, guinea pigs, are they a pig? Well, no, they're not. Even though they're boars and sows, like they're males and they're females, they're not related at all to, to pigs. But they do make wonderful little pets for people that mm. are interested in a pocket pet, because not everybody can have a dog or a cat. And, um, you know, they, they really are quite loving. They actually... Um, when they get to know you, they lick you a lot because that's sort of part of their bonding with you. So oh, that's if, a bit cute. Yeah, like that little girl that rang the other day that the dog was licking her toes. <laughs> yes. But they do, they do really like you and they lick you. And they also, when they notice that you're coming, they whistle. So they have some peculiarities that other animals oh. don't have. But they do make wonderful little pets. But the thing is with them, you can't just keep one. You need to keep them together. So they oh, need, you do? You need more than one? Yes, because they're social animals and they enjoy the company of other um, guinea pigs. There's some countries that it's actually illegal to keep them solitary, so it's really important oh. that you do understand. But to have happy guinea pigs, you need to make sure if you're having males that they are desexed because it can become quite a problem with multiple males. So desexing, it's usually the um, male that's desexed, isn't it, Kimberly? Uh, it is because it's an easier procedure. In our practice, we actually desex female guinea pigs as well, so oh, it's okay. becoming more and more common, but it's a different procedure than what we were using in the past. Um, but certainly the males are, are the easier ones and there's not really um, any major drama about, you know, desexing male guinea pigs. Yeah. yeah, and they say that keeping females together is okay or if you've had young males that have been raised together, it can be okay. But you've got to be very careful because otherwise you can have quite some fights with the males mm. and lots of, you know, sort of um, injuries, not just to the guinea pigs but to you as well if you're trying to separate and Okay, things. so mm. can you have two or do you need more than two? Like, is it preferable to have three or four <laughs> no, as long as they're in a group like yeah. as, as an in a pair so that they're not on their okay. own they they really don't do very well um they don't cope very well if they're well they're singles. quite sensitive they're little animals very aren't they? sensitive and they're yeah. very social yeah yeah mm. and housing is another thing that you need to be very careful whilst you can buy lots of commercial hutches for them a lot of those are really small so you know you need to look at they need roam you know roaming space they need to be able to run because guinea pigs are quite active so if you are buying one make sure it's that you know it's the right size for the amount of guinea pigs and that there's room for them to run you might have to even do a little bit of diy you know, extension mm. on them because yeah. some are really quite small. But they're not difficult things to build. You know, if you're a little bit handy, you can build a good a good run for your guinea pigs. Making sure that you have an area that is covered so that they can, you know, go for protection both from the sun or anything that may be around. Also flooring. One of the problems, a lot of people use wire on the floor and, mm. Kimberly, that's quite bad for their feet. It's very bad for their feet, yeah. So we want to have, um, it, it's a really common problem that we see, pododermatitis, where they get sores on the feet and pressure sores and things. So um, particularly, you know, soft flooring is, is ideal, smooth um, flooring. Even then, sometimes we still get problems. So um, a nice sort of soft bedding that's hay bedding or um, lots of people use shredded, shredded paper um, in nice thick layers, that could be good. Grass is obviously ideal. 
field because grass is nice yeah. and soft, so getting mm. them something like that. Yeah. And another thing that you should avoid with it is the sawdust and, and wood shavings yeah. because that, from a health perspective, can be quite bad for the it's guinea pig. It's bad for their lungs, so dusty sort of wood shavings and things is not very good. Um, it's really widely known that they, they're poorly, um, they react to cedar shavings quite badly, but even pine shavings and things, so mm. we try to stick away from that. Yeah. Another thing too, they often are affected by flies, they get a fly strike, so covering the area with a mesh is a good idea just to keep the flies away, but you know, again, good housekeeping on most things will prevent mm. flies if you're you know, making sure that you're cleaning regularly and, and looking after the, you know, their welfare. The, the problem with um, housing, you do need to make sure it's protected from um, drafts and hot weather as well, because they do succumb to heat exhaustion just like a lot of pets so making sure that in the summertime um, they've got m maybe you know a bowl a, a shallow bowl or a dish that they can cool down in some water mm. for their water supply though it's a really good idea to use the sipper bottle so that they're actually just you know sipping away at that water it doesn't become contaminated but you do need to check those sippers that they are working correctly and they are really, really susceptible to heat stroke. So in summertime, um, most of our guinea pig clients would um, save a few um, uh, water bottles and pop them into the freezer full of water and freeze them and, and give them a water bottle or two to um, they'll lie up against it or flop over top of them to keep themselves cool. It's oh, really okay. important. Yeah, guinea, guinea pig deaths in a heat stroke is really, really common. So be very careful yeah. with these little guys in summer. Yeah, it is important because mm. they can have long lives if they're looked after. And again, that's getting back to making sure they're having regular veterinary checks because their teeth are constantly growing and obviously their nails. So often you need to get that attended to at the vets. Mm. And a lot of guinea pigs can have some skin problems so mm -hmm. that's um, one of the areas again that you need to make sure that you are having your guinea pigs checked. Now with their feed you need to avoid things like um, poultry pellets because they contain um, you know sort of products that aren't particularly good for mm. um, your guinea pigs so they often have meat meal in them so we need to avoid that because that can create problems for their liver and feeding is really critical you need to make sure that they have a really good balance of um, grasses so they they really do like grass and I believe that grass gives them a lot of vitamin C is that, mm. is that correct? Yeah Kimberly? so guinea pigs are like humans and that they can't produce their own vitamin C out of of, um, out of the food that they're taking in so uh, it's a it's a really high risk for scurvy if we're not feeding these guys well and so anyone who tells you that guinea pigs and rabbits can eat the same pellets is actually not you know, telling you the right thing because so there's rabbits, no guinea pig specific pellets. There are there guinea pig guinea pig specific pellets, and we should be using them and okay. not giving them the same as rabbits because rabbits right. can produce they can they can form their own vitamin C out of the things that they take in, but guinea pigs can't. So mm. they actually have to have it provided to them. So we often recommend um, feeding a small portion of pellets as their as their diet. But green leafy vegetables is where you're going to get a lot of your vitamin C from, oh, okay. and some citrus fruits as well. So just like you know, in the olden days when sailors coming across the sea they got scurvy because they had a lack of green leafy vegetables mm. and things guinea pigs will get that really really quickly as well so um, there's you can go online and look for lists of vegetables that have vitamin C levels in them and we use a lot of capsicum capsicum's fantastic um, okay. kale um, can they eat an orange the dark green. Yeah. they can eat parts of okay. yeah they can and kiwi so, fruit so they're another yeah, thing okay. that, that you know they're getting a little bit of vitamin C from sure. but yeah. certainly fresh grass fresh is really grass important and, yeah, and a lot of Asian um, the 
Asian greens Asian are greens, excellent. Yeah. So, you know, you just need to be careful so what your you are choice and yes. all of that sort yeah. of food. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They yeah. can even have, um, you know, the shells when you're shelling fresh peas. Not that everyone does that anymore, but mm. um, certainly they can eat things like that. But making sure that, um, again, with um, rabbits, you shouldn't really keep rabbits and guinea pigs together. Mm. A lot of people do, oh. but it's not ideal. Right. Injuries can happen as well as not getting the correct food and then, you know, they'll succumb. And they can actually transmit diseases between the two of them. So, um, okay. so guinea pigs are susceptible to Bordetella, which is a bacterial infection that doesn't affect rabbits, but rabbits can pass it and make the guinea pigs sick. They seem quite intelligent. We we mm-hmm. walked past some guinea pigs on our walk and um, they now recognise the kids. They've got a great little hutch. Someone's built them outside yep. and they run on the grass and they actually come up to the fence and let the kids scratch their nose now every time we walk past. So I think they remember that, oh, they that we do yeah. that. And I think, wow, you, yep. you intelligent little yeah. guinea pigs. Yeah, and they, they, they do like interaction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they so they're, they're great they know pocket pets. People. When I see them in consult, the guinea pigs always know that I'm the vet and that I'm not the owner. They they totally know who's who. So they don't yeah. like you. No. <laughs> I'm always making them do things they don't want to do. Open your mouth. Yeah. Let me look at your feet. Yeah. Yeah. I want guinea pigs now. Do you? Well, yeah. that'd be a nice thing. The children I would think like so. that. So, Sean, we'll have this discussion when I come home tonight. <laughs> Cheryl, you've just done a, a great little talk on guinea pigs, and it's inspired me to get some. But when we're off air, I was saying, oh, you know, they'll work out cheaper. And in some <laughs> situations, yes, they do. But they, there can be problems, as with any pet, and as it can be. Pet. Yeah, it's it, all good while everything's good, and when it goes downhill, it can still be fairly, um, you know, intensive and expensive, unfortunately. But, Kimberly, you were just saying that you have clients spend like $1,000 on a chicken. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So <laughs> lots of people who, who um, rescue battery, ex-battery hens, and these birds come to us in very poor conditions sometimes or come to their new homes in very poor conditions. Lots of times they have um, chronic diseases, they have reproductive disorders um and people are very attached to them and they've they've taken them on as a you know as an animal they're they're intending to give them whatever life they have left the best quality life and we do lots of work on um on ex-battery hens and and i think we make a really big difference to them you know you can take a a hen who's got um a serious egg yolk peritonitis and um and help that bird to become more comfortable and live out their life you know better and a big hello to diane you've got a ragdoll cat and a question for kimberly about it traveling Yes, it doesn't travel very well. In fact, um, as it, I can go two blocks and it will um, shed himself. Oh, yes, and okay. It's not very pleasant driving that way. I've yeah. tried all kinds of things. The vet suggested, I think it's called fell away. Yes, yep. I've tried that um, to no avail and really? even the vet prescribed um, some Valium. Yeah, okay. Uh, that resulted in disastrous episode where he just laid in it. So it's, I mean, it's a really hard thing because cats on the whole don't travel very well. Most cats, you put them into a box and put them into a car and they just yowl and howl and carry on. And it's not uncommon for them, unfortunately, to soil themselves. And, you know, they're really stressed in that environment. So um, if you've tried, certainly fell away is the first thing that I would always try because it's relatively um, easy to get a hold of and, and it gives us a moderate level of, of um, 
working but i would look at trying to desensitize your cat to um the actual travel and that probably means um multiple stages of desensitizing them to being in the carrier but with with the carrier not being moved because we don't really know is it the the carrier is it the travel are we feeling motion sick and that's getting our stomach going is it the noise of the car the feeling of it we we don't really you know we can't get inside the cat's head to sort of work out what's going on so we need to sort of desensitize to every little step and it is a bit of a process but if you look at starting to desensitize the cat to the carrier, so, um, you know, put the cat in the carrier for short periods of time with yummy treats or start feeding them in there on a regular basis so that she gets used to the carrier. And then you might do things like put her in the carrier, pick the carrier up, walk her around the house, um, let her back out, you know, build up to, to little things. Then walk her out to the car and let the let the carrier just sit in the car and, and maybe let her sit there. If she's not too stressed, let her sit there for an hour or two. So she's sort of, okay, this is all right, like nothing bad is happening. And it it will be a process but over time you step by step go to she's okay in the car with the car not turned on now let's see what happens when you turn the car on and and i would continue to use the fell away through that process because that's really just a chemical um sort of a pheromone signal that just helps the cat to relax and sort of gives them a a feeling of well-being so that you can't totally override the anxiety but if she's getting a signal that this is an okay thing that other cats have have felt that this is an okay thing then it can help to sort of calm them a little bit and the final step then would be that you'd start to just you know turn the car on hopefully give her a few minutes to sort of settle down turn the car back off you know go out there and then get her to the point where you can move the car so we're getting a little bit of motion in there um and hopefully over time um that will really improve it it is one of the big things we have people say they don't like taking their cats to the vet and it's why cats often miss out on on veterinary treatment because cats hate being in cars they hate being in carriers Mm. Um, but if we can work with them and make it a less fearful experience it can be really really helpful right fortunately my vet's only within so it's only a block away um but even even that he yeah. doesn't doesn't like it. Doesn't like it. Yeah, it's tricky. No. Yeah, it's tricky. Well, good luck trying those few things, Diane, <laughs> and hopefully you can um, yeah get we, him a little bit more relaxed. We do, Diane. We do have a client who comes to our practice. She um, is a, um, a senior citizen. She brings her cats in a pram. She puts them in their box and mm. she um, wheels them down in the pram. <laughs> um, and that's you know her cats take to that fairly well on a nice day. She can't do it if it's too hot or too cold, but uh, um, that might be. Uh, That's one for consider. you, Diane. <laughs> Avoid the car ride. <laughs> Grab a little pram. And... I travel to Sydney frequently. And, oh, yes. I, I, uh, the poor cat's been in Sydney yeah. now since January. Um, she can't get her back. <laughs> because I'm fearful of getting her back, you know, yeah. trying to get her back. Poor thing. Um, anyway, a pram's a bit bit unrealistic for that trip you'd be watching <laughs> that, a while totally totally unrealistic for that trip yeah 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 but if you're if you're traveling a lot with her then you know going through the steps of desensitization might be really helpful and kimberly mm. i'm just glad you gave me confirmation at the start of that call that the cat had shed itself because i'm looking at you and you're like shed well <laughs> no quite... no soiled itself yes yeah 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 i thought it was another word obviously yeah. and oh, i was well. thinking oh my goodness <laughs> okay we've got roger now roger welcome to pet chat now you've got a dog uh, from the pound, but it urinates when you pat your dog. We've got a very loud line. Are you on hands-free? Uh, yes, I am, yeah. Can you take us off? Sorry? Can you take us off? Uh, that's not so bad now. So go. how can Kimberly help you? Well, I, I went down there to get the Kelpie, uh, but I saw this little Siberian uh, 
Ben or something, they called him and I just fell in love with him. And okay. I brought him home and he, he folds me around like a, a, a bad smell. Okay. He's sort of fallen in love with me. Yeah. But <laughs> every time I go to pat him, he cringes mm. and then wets himself. So sure. I say someone has, has been, uh, well, not handled him properly, yeah. I've been... How how old is your pup, Roger? How old is the little guy? He's back two and a half. Oh, right. So he's an adult dog. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it it's always hard when you get a, a dog from an unknown background. Um, certainly that submissive urination is really common in puppies, and most puppies will outgrow it. But if he hasn't been socialized very well, it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's done nasty things to him. It, it can mean that, but it doesn't always. Um, but if he hasn't been socialized very well, you know, he may not have ever sort of really developed that, that normal confidence that they get and so what we tend to sort of recommend people do is just to try to ignore it for one and not um not ever sort of get mad at him for it because that tends to make that anxiety worse um try to handle him in a, in a really calm manner so oftentimes these pups are doing it they're excited you've just come home and he's like wow i'm so excited to see you and they have a little a little squirt and a little squeeze there um but trying to just be really really calm with him and if it's in happening in that sort of situation then try to encourage him to get out you know get him out onto the grass and the toilet and give him the opportunity um, to sort of void himself before we're doing a lot of greeting with him. If it's that he's doing it as you're, as you're just reaching down to pat him, even if you've been around for a while, then it may be that he's getting a little bit startled or like you said, he's, he's had a bad experience in the past where, um, you know, something has happened that, that has hurt him or scared him. And so then again, similar to what we were talking with Diane, we just need to do some desensitization in most cases where we sort of slowly reach down, slowly, 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 and maybe not continue to approach him. And when he starts to sort of show the sign of, you know, usually they sort of hunker down tail goes between the legs and they sort of squat and often they try to sort of roll um just pause what we're doing or even um back away a little bit even if it's just sort of standing up upright a little bit more moving your hand away giving him some encouragement so that he starts to build up his confidence look for some signals that he's maybe not so anxious and then try again and go really slowly with it um but if he is you know i mean if that's the only um sign of anxiety that he's got that may be not a major issue but have us take a step back and look at his whole demeanor in general and just see if he's got signs of anxiety issues there is a um a dog version of the the fell away that diane was talking about for the cat there is a dog version of that um and it comes in a collar which you can pop on them and and that just helps to give them a bit of a sense of well-being for a time um and that something like that might be helpful to to help with the learning as well thanks for your call roger it is pet chat and we're taking your calls we have a free line right now on 49216216. Cheryl, we haven't spoken about our dirty dogs for a while, so I thought... Dirty dogs? We've had no rain, Sarah. Well, true, but they Mm. still get dirty. You know, you've got to make sure you're staying on top of it. So, look, if you've got a dog and you think, hey... I wouldn't mind getting them groomed, you know, giving them a wash, that sort of thing. It's a deluxe wash that you can win. Uh, And all you need to do is send some pictures of your dirty dog to our website and we do have all of the details there and that's to nurfm.com. Yeah, get those photos in. We want to see your dirty dogs. And this time of the year, leading into spring, it's always nice to give them a nice wash and get them looking good and feeling good as it starts to warm up. 
Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. Look, we're going to have a quick break. When we come back, though, we're looking at sore eyes. Once Mm. again, leading into spring, there's lots of allergies happening and that sort of thing. So the wind, the wind's been terrible. Mm. Uh, Janelle, welcome to the show. You've got a cat that keeps licking itself. Um, It's not so much licking, it's just general grooming. It's a long hair um, domestic. Mm-hmm. But um, it's really wet saliva, really moist. It's it's dripping oh, when he's so finished. She's drooling, right? Okay, and pulling any hair out, or just normal sort of grooming? Just normal sort of grooming, right? Okay. I mean, we do get some cats that are um, they are drooly cats, or sometimes if they're enjoying things, like we get some cats when humans are patting them, they're humans, they start to drool, and we we sort of feel like it's probably a, either an appeasement behaviour or or something they're doing just because they're really relaxed. Yeah, he does. He is one of those. He's one of those, yeah. is he? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Um, but not... this, this, this this wet fur, yep. you know, is to the point where you really don't even want to pick him up to touch him or anything. Right. It's, it's wet. Yeah, okay. Um, but that seems to have only just started to appear probably in the last couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah. So I guess the things that I would always do is um, maybe pop along to your vet and just have him checked out make sure he doesn't have any sores in his mouth that might be irritating him. So um, gingivitis or gingivitis stomatitis is really common common in cats mm-hmm. um, and can sometimes predispose them to increase sort of drooling and hypersalivation um, and that might be so as he's grooming himself which which cats are very fastidious about so he mm. wouldn't stop unless he was in like horrible pain but it might just be that there's enough irritation there that as he's grooming himself that the you know it's causing a bit of extra saliva so that would be the first thing to do mm-hmm. um I'm not sure if there's something on his fur or skin that, that is, you know, causing him to have that. So if he's um, rolling in dirt that's got manure or something on it and then he's licking it and going, oh, this is tasty and getting, you know, that kind of thing can happen. Well, yuck to us, but probably for cats and dogs, it's not so bad. Um, so that would be something to, to, you know, think about if he's a tolerant cat, you could try to give him a wash and see. Um, and I would always say check for fleas and, and any signs of fleas because quite often these guys are itchy and so they're, they are over grooming, even if they're not pulling fur out over grooming is um, a really common mm. thing mm. in cats and remember that we've got cats who have fleas and cats and it happens to dogs as well but um, who have fleas but then we also have the ones that don't have a flea infestation as such but they are allergic to fleas and so a single flea bite can cause an allergic reaction or an inflammatory reaction that will last for a number of weeks and those cats will be itchy um, for a long time so right. um, always have a look at that and, and um, get on board with some really really good flea control. Okay, great. Okay. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Good luck with it, Janelle. Mm. And hello to uh, Valerie. You've got a 12-year-old mini foxy cross, but it's very frightened of all sorts of noises. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and this is something that's new, or has it been like this for a long time? No, no, no. It's um, only been a few months, a couple right. of months that yeah. she's been doing it. Okay. Yeah, she's very um, timid with yeah. any noise. And then if you drop something or the dishwasher's on, she just shoots off out right. of a little bed or even if you're outside, she'll just take off. Take off, okay. And, yeah. um, I mean, little 12-year-old dogs are certainly not... Um Young, we do certainly see things like cognitive, canine cognitive dysfunction, which is kind of like dementia in dogs, um, start to come on. And sometimes we'll get changes of behaviors or changes in, in fear levels with that. Even just general, um, aging, older dogs tend to have more anxieties than younger dogs do. So things that didn't used to bother them in the past might bother her now. 
Um, sometimes with, with older dogs, their hearing is not as good as it used to be. Mm, and so no they, everything's that. very silent until there's the loud noise, and then that's very startling for them. Um, mm. So it is possible that, you know, when you've got a bit of a level of background noise, it sort of prepares you for what's happening. You can hear the dishwasher being emptied, but when the dish, you know, breaks, it's, um, you're sort of a little bit prepared for that. But if you can't hear the, the basic sound of the dishwasher being emptied, and then all of a sudden the dish breaks and there's a crash, you know, that can be very startling for them as well um so yeah those sorts of things are are they are challenging to deal with i guess because a lot of them um, are to do with sort of older age changes that are happening um trying to prepare them as much as possible if you know that there's likely to be something that's going to happen try to um, put the dog in a spot where you know she's going to be uh feeling safe so a little crate if she's used to that or a a safe space a bedroom that kind of thing you're never going to be able to prevent all noises and and sometimes it's going to baffle you the things that startle her um it's really common in older dogs to be startled out of sleeping um, by a, a moderate or loud noise as well. And mm. that can, that I wondered if it was an age-related yeah, problem. Yeah, often mm. it is, often it is. So, um, again, you know, my standards bill, take her along to your vet, have her checked out there, see if there's anything wrong. It could be an ear infection, things like that, or build up in the ears, blocking some of the hearing. But probably we're dealing more with he- hearing-related, um, age-related change, sorry, um, and, and maybe some cognitive decline there as well. Okay, thank you very much. No worries. Thanks, thanks. for your call, Valerie. Kimberly, just on that, um, mm-hmm. do dogs dream more when they get older? Because Gizmo's an older Maltese. Mm-hmm. He's nearly 14, and, and he is having some puppy nightmares. Because, <laughs> you know, they make the little noises, yeah. and I have to wake him up. Yeah, I have to I, say, Gizzy, it's okay, mate. I don't know that for sure. Um, I've never read anything, come across anything that says that they dream more when they're when they're older. I think that's a hard thing to test. However, um, certainly lots of older dogs do sleep deeper because of the fact that their their hearing isn't as good, and so the the day to day sounds in the house don't wake them up. Um, certainly, my dog was she was a big dreamer. Um, I don't tend to usually think about it as nightmares, though. I sort of worry about not. I don't worry about. It. I sort of sort of go, oh, she's off chasing cats again, slow cats, or you know things like that. I'm not sure that they have nightmares as such, but they certainly can get very active um, in their sleep as they get older. But puppies will do it too. So you'll often mm. see the young puppies doing it as well. So I think it's really just related to the individual dog. Okay, mm. look, I think we have time for one more call. Hello, have you phoned for Pet Chat? Oh, yes, I have. I thought, the, I thought the dog had actually called and I thought, gee, that's smart. Sorry, what's your name? My name's Clarissa. Welcome, Clarissa. What's your question for Dr Kimberly Earl? Well, I... Um I have inherited my sister's dog. She entered a nursing home, and um, the little pup is a Shih Tzu, mm-hmm. and she's 12 years old, and since I've had her at home, she just incessantly barks <laughs> at the slightest noise. We can yeah. tell. And the sister was in a, um, in a unit, yeah. and all she had was a courtyard. Yeah, okay. But, um, I've got a huge yard. And she's got the run of the yard, she's got the run of the house. But as soon as she hears a dog or anything, yeah. she just barks and does stop yeah so i mean depending on how long you've had her for she might still be in a transition period where you know everything all the sounds are new the smells in the area are new she's sort of learning the um the lay of the land as such in in terms of the the dogs in the neighborhood their sounds and their smells and things like that um that's certainly a possibility sorry we've had it for six um six months six months now yeah okay so i mean and pays no attention whatsoever 
Whether it's all over, I'll tell her to be quiet. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, barking is a hard thing because it's a normal behaviour in dogs, but we often find it um, distasteful because it is sort of annoying. Um, so we do talk about, if the dog's otherwise in good health, we do talk about things, you know, distraction techniques where um, we start to encourage them to work for their food and things so that instead of feeding out of dog dishes, we're scatter feeding in the backyard. An older dog, you probably have to start um, a bit sort of slower than that. But the similar things that we've been talking with Valerie, with her little um, foxy being being more frightened, it might be that your little dog has had a big change in a you know a fairly recent period of time, and her anxiety level might be fairly high. So some dogs we get um, we see a hypervigilance where they're they're really worried about the things going on around them, and so their response is to sort of aggressively bark to try to scare things off rather than to you know risk being um, being damaged or injured themselves. And so some of those dogs will will really be on high alert all the time and some of them can be helped by some of our medical management um, techniques that we use in combination with you know trying to desensitize them to things that might be stimulating them or or giving them jobs to do to you know working for their food um, those sorts of things so it, it's a bit of a complicated um, sort of issue but I would always say you know have a chat with your vet about whether we, we're seeing any other signs of anxiety of, of distress in this dog I mean she's had a big change um, coming to live with you and it's fantastic that you've taken her on but it is a it's a big transition for her and it's a big transition for you um and obviously we want to try to make it as pleasant for everybody as possible but i I would think about you know think about it from an anxiety standpoint maybe have a chat with your local family vet and see if there's anything that we can do to help her out Okay, thank okay. you very much. You're welcome. Thanks so much. And look, you know, I do feel for Clarissa because you can hear the, the dog barking. Barking in the background, yeah. yeah. And so that kind of indicates it's more than just a boredom thing when they're barking yeah, in the owner's sure. home and there's other stimulation Other happening. stimulation, yeah. So the thing we have to think about is that this dog probably doesn't have the same bond with Clarissa that she did with her original owner. And so there is some level of, like, anxiety, just, you know, where is my where is my person potentially? Um, and then the whole environment will be new. You know, the sounds that you hear uh, in the neighbourhood that she's probably been used to her own apartment unit and, and little garden courtyard for a long time. And now the smells are different, the sounds are different. It might be that she's, um, you know, listening to the train line that she's never heard, you know, in the background. And to Clarissa, she might not be hearing it yes. um, because she's used to that. She's sens- desensitised to it. But for the little dog, it can be, you know, quite challenging. Um, so you put a whole bunch of little changes in place for, for a dog like that, even big changes, and, and that can be overwhelming for them. Um, and they can sort of start to go into this mode of like, I, I'm not coping with the world yeah. around me. But there are lots of things that can be done. They're just a bit challenging to, you know, to address in a two or three minute slot. But, yeah. um, you know, I think there's, there'd be lots of things that can be done. I would always get them checked out by a vet and, and have a chat about anxiety. There's different products that we can use, medical and non-medical, that can be helpful. Really good advice. And look, that's just about it for us today for Pet Chat. Cheryl Shaw, thank you so much for coming in today. And My pleasure. educating us on guinea pigs. Dr Kimberly Earle, thank you for all your advice today, as always. And of course, Pet Chat is back again same time next week.